Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders, sharing thoughts and practical tips for growing your most valuable customers. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, founder and CEO at Momentum ABM. Welcome to this episode of Account-Based Marketing. Today, we're talking about the role of technology in account-based marketing, and I'm thrilled to have Marlo Fenn, account-based marketing lead at FireEye, join us today. Marlo, welcome. Good afternoon, Alicia. Great to be here, and thanks for including me. Good to have you here. Um, I'd love us to kick off with um, a bit about you and a a bit about the organization you're now with, FireEye, if you would, for our listeners. Sure. So I'm the... uh, Senior ABM manager here at FireEye, basically lead the, the global ABM efforts, um, even though I'm only officially part of the US, we're sharing all those best practices everywhere. And um, essentially it, what I'm in charge of is delivering a, you know, both revenue retention and reputation improvements across our customer base by teaming with sales on a more personalized marketing adventure, if you want to call it that. And FireEye is, we're the SEAL Team 6, if you will, of the uh, security industry. We know more about threat actors and the bad guys than just about anybody. And we sell a number of Intel technology and services to uh, help protect our customers against all the uh, evil stuff that's out there in cyberspace. Mm-hmm. And, and FireEye, you're coming up to about a billion dollars in revenue, is that? Yeah, that's right. About a billion, just uh, just shy. And uh, I think we're going to cross over that uh, here pretty quickly. So we're, um, you know, sort of a, a mid-sized company by, by some people's uh, measure. And uh, we're definitely global. We deal with everything from public sector government to enterprise and some medium-sized businesses. But if you look at uh, who we're focusing on, for example, for account-based marketing, it's all the large financial services, healthcare, manufacturing, and and uh, government sector customers. Got it. What well, one of the things we get asked a lot, particularly um, with the, the programs that we're involved in, is what what's the difference between a really large-scale program, someone like a an IBM or a Deloitte, versus a, a mid to small size business? Marla, you've worked at both Cisco, uh, rolling out account-based marketing, and here at FireEye. What what would you say the big differences are? Yeah, and I still have a lot of friends at those big companies, and we stay in touch on this too, right? So different resource levels, <laughs> both in in teaming and and in budget. Indeed. The sample size, if you think about it, is so much bigger, a Cisco or an IBM or, you know, an SAP, you know, our good friend Danny Nail, our mutual friend, right? That the the data and the resources that you have at your disposal make it very, um, let's just say tempting or, um, you know, profitable to take a much more data-driven, high-scale approach. And that's great, but as exactly you said, not everyone has those resources. So... If you think about where mid-sized companies like FireEye or, you know, potentially even um, a lot of others have um, a lot more room for differentiation, the personalization aspect of things really starts to, to play quite a bit. So essentially, if you want to really simplify it, there's a way to look at both the scale and the personalization as sort of different vectors. And every company is going to come down a little bit differently on where their um, optimized ABM practice is, is going to fit on those two dimensions. There's other ways to, to think about it, but it's certainly a good way to sort of frame up the discussion. Yeah. So in your view, Marlo, larger organizations have access to to more data, more resources. They can be more data-driven, where mid-sized firms, when they're rolling out ABM programs, they can differentiate by dialing up the personalization and making it more about the customer. You said it even better than I did. Yes, correct. 
Um, what about sales and marketing alignment? Is that compared to a Cisco Salesforce versus the FireEye team who you probably met all, all of the FireEye sales team at the sales kickoff recently? You've got much more personal relationships. Do you feel like that alignment is already there? There's a relationship setting that you can then start accelerating the impact from an ABM program? Yeah. So at Cisco, just to take this sort of on a timeline perspective, we went from you know small to very large scale where there were literally thousands of reps, four or 5,000 reps, and each of them had a few customers. So it was something like 20,000 customers. So it was ABM light at scale. And at FireEye, exactly right. I think there's about 60 or so um, account managers that I deal with directly on a regular basis. And yes, building personal relationships with them and really digging deep into exactly what their relationships are at those accounts that we're doing ABM with and, and getting into the, the nuance that um, we simply just wouldn't have the, the cycles to, to do at a, at a Cisco size organization. And again, those unique insights are not just quantitative database, but also qualitative. And um, I would argue that the, the qualitative ones are really where ABM differentiation can be even more, whatever, more uh, impactful, if you will. And um, so there's quite a bit of opportunity for mid-sized companies to, to drive new levels of relationships with their customers, their sales teams with ABM. And we're certainly all in it together in terms of there's a, a tighter partnership with those day-to-day -day relationships with sales. And we both have a number and we both work towards that number together. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? When you're a larger organization like a, a Cisco or Microsoft, you, you've got so much data, particularly first party intent data. And, and often that can be quite noisy. Mm -hmm. It can tell you things, show you signals that, that perhaps aren't there or there's just so much happening at an account level. Um, and the way they're interacting across your digital properties, is it really telling you anything? And it, that richness that you get from the qualitative insight, we've just seen be hugely powerful, whether it's an overlay on top of the intent data or instead of. Yeah, that's exactly it. I don't think it's one or the other. It's how you optimize the qualitative and the quantitative to kind of break it down. And um, there's certainly a lot of upside to being able to take that nuance, that that qualitative data and share that across multiple um, customers. So there's that balance. Every customer is unique, a snowflake, if you will. And yet there are commonalities that you can apply across those. So therein lies a little bit of the, um, the, the magic, if you will, to where those nuances get applied to the specific business outcomes that customers are trying to achieve and how we can uh, help them accelerate those uh, achievements. And at the same time, you know, what does that look like if they all, you know, share a common goal, whether it's digital transformation, what that looks like at each company, whether it's moving to the cloud, whether it's validating their security, different ways um, customers do that is, um, you know, there's some similarities and some differences. And so there's in there again is part of the, uh, the balance that we're trying to look at for how deep we go with ABM personalization. So Marlo, thinking about starting your program and, and where technology came in, uh, how did you get going at FireEye? When we looked at the differentiation that we could bring to the table from ABM, it really came through deeper personalization and really digging into those business initiatives that we were just discussing with our, our customers and with our salespeople, obviously. We looked really carefully at the different levels of personalization that we could achieve through different tools. So there was a whole spectrum of ABM tools out there that would give us different levels of both scalability 
and personalization. And that's almost, you know, that, that model that I just talked about almost goes out the window because you can do both. You can have depersonalization at scale if you do it right. I wanted to double down on personalization before we scaled and that's paid off really well because as we've built through the personalization process, things like deeply personalized portals and inbound and outbound omnichannel experiences for each customer and bespoke content, once we figured out how to do that for you know, 10, 20, 30 customers, we're now at 50, we now have templates for actually scaling it. So it, it really just depends on what each individual, you know, ABMers goals are, but I would say, make sure that you really um, take a, a good hard look at how deep you can go from a personalization standpoint and give yourself a lot of room there to get deeper, then um, consider that over scale first. I think there's a tendency to look across. If you turn up an organization, there's already a MarTech stack there. Often lots of tools are duplicating each other um, or competing for the same channel. I, I'm always curious to see where, when you're setting up an ABM program, do you go to augment the tech that you already have? Or is it always about starting a new um, infrastructure or a new stack itself? Um, wh where was that in terms of your uh, review of personalization tools? Did you look at what you already had? Did you have some pre preferences already? Yeah, there was, there's a really interesting question because yeah, it's been a little bit of an adventure. We already had a very well-established tech stack. And as you can imagine, super focus on security. Highly secure. <laughs> Highly secure, right? <laughs> and all that, all that was, you know, vetted to the nth degree. And, and I won't go into the details about how much, you know, extra protection has been, been put into that whole um, personalization process. But there were some tools in place that were, that from the traditional marketing perspective, they thought provided adequate personalization. And, um, and, and that was fine. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a try. And I, and I did, of course, but I had already come from, you know, having built a, a lot of personalization at Cisco. I had come from a perspective of, well, there's a certain level we want to achieve. And we, we weren't able to achieve that with the tools that we had at FireEye. So I, I held out, um, I, you know, I tested the tools that we had and made sure that we couldn't achieve the goals that we were looking for and, you know, did the, did the right thing, but quickly showed how the, the other tools that we brought in could complement the, the existing tools and, and really make it a, a, a whole spectrum, if you will, of personalization that we could deliver to our customers. Got it. And, and with the MarTech that you referenced from a personalization perspective, was it mostly about personalizing content or was it more about the whole customer journey and thinking about some of those key interaction points? Yeah, thanks for the prompt. It was definitely the entire customer journey. And that's one of the reasons why you know we sort of went down the path with follows because it allowed us to put a whole bunch of personalization rules in place for both inbound and outbound so that we're able to manage, orchestrate, and you know, really stay right on top of our KPIs that we needed to learn quickly from each of our um, ABM engagements. And that's you know, a key point here is that, that your leading indicators that you use with ABM, you know, who's engaging, are the right people that you're targeting engaging? How long are they engaging? What are they engaged in? Both from an inbound and outbound perspective, those were important data points to look at that we couldn't do that 
you know, for six months and try it out. We wanted to know, you know, within a few days or weeks, whether or not those, that level of personalization was working. It was a combination of inbound, outbound, omni-channel, bespoke content, bespoke individual um, sites for each of our, our customers, and then presenting that whole journey in a way that not only delivered a much better customer experience, but also much better sales experience. So it's hard work at first. It's certainly, you know, detailed, but the relationships that you build with sales along the way and the integration of that tech with obviously what the salespeople are using as well as the, the MarTech stack um, was really critical to our success. And that's how we quickly scaled from the original three accounts to nine accounts to, to now 50 is because we're able to build those, you know, those success factors in to where we could manage those engagements on an, I won't say daily, but at least weekly basis and really track our progress and, and adjust and correct course because there's feedback loops every step of the way. And those feedback loops are one of the most important factors in the ABM success. Yeah, I think there's so many conversations I have around MarTech, marketing automation platforms, and they're often seen as that kind of bottom of the pyramid. We'll only use them in in one to many, but actually as a as a channel and a route to accounts, it should really cut through all of your ABM efforts and possibly where some of the marketing automation platforms have failed is not having that feedback loop that you reference. And what you've been able to do with some of your tooling is make sure that you're testing with the machine and then the, the, the human correction to make the machine better and, and iterate. So that, that sounds like a, a hugely effective way to look at deploying any of this tech when, you, when you're personalizing an effort. And, and using your Salesforce as your go-to-market channel, you know, some of us take for granted, but it's a huge step forward. And that already is going to drive a higher level of engagement with customers because they're you know, hearing from a person that they know and trust, hopefully not just some, you know, sort of faceless marketing organization. Uh, And that becomes a a big factor. And then obviously all of those key learnings get rolled back into the the plan with the salespeople. And then of course, there's also the, um, you know, the wins that happen. So we had just a really typical ABM win story. You know, we had a a Fortune 5 customer where our, our sales rep had been trying to get to the CIO for years, frankly. And because we had worked through some of those nuances that we just kind of talked about, we were able to send them something through the rep that broke through that, that barrier, that wall, if you will. And of course, you know, multiple meetings and pipeline and all that stuff ensued, but it's because we're able to take that, that very bespoke personalized approach and, and build in real time with the rep um, an engagement plan that, you know, quickly worked out and we were able to monitor exactly, you know, what response was happening again in real time. And and that's one of our success metrics. That's probably a little bit different than some of the other MarTech results. It's all about, you know, kind of numbers, how many people engaged. And for us, it's about exactly who engaged and about 65% of the people that we currently engage in our program are C-level, CIO, CISO, or, or VP level.
are. So thinking about some of that C-suite and um, this more personalized experience, it sounds like you're leveraging a lot of digital channels as well as the, the sales relationship. How are you reaching these C-levels from a channel perspective and, and getting them to come to FireEye? So there's a lot that can be done from a personalization standpoint that lets you provide some really valuable insights for those C-suite execs. And obviously it's not going to be a 70 page security white paper. <laughs> it's, you know, but you can take those 70 pages and put them into an executive summary that are mapped to the business initiatives for that executive. And all of a sudden it becomes highly relevant, right? So, so a big piece of this that, you know, is sort of a, sort of a, a before we, you know, gloss over our assumptions, the business initiatives, our customers are key to this whole process. And, and clearly it, ABM is not just about sort of, you know, putting a little bit more personalized marketing on. It's about really diving into the business initiatives that our customers are trying to achieve and, and mapping our differentiation back into that process and enabling our reps to understand how to do that and, and really providing a, a true value add. So back to the omni-channel component of that, we're able to take those business initiatives and those execs, those C-suite execs and others who are responsible for those initiatives, and then really in a very bespoke, personalized fashion, deliver a, a value-added asset for them that would get them to engage with us. And typically that would be starting off FireEye property where they're out on, you know, wired.com or somewhere else that they're looking for general information and then bringing them back. And, and even then they're not going to our FireEye.com, they're going to a bespoke page that we've created specifically for them and their organization. So it has, you know, their business initiatives, their logos, their bespoke content. So they're getting a boutique, if you will, personalized experience the entire way through from the very, you know, inception and many of these are new contacts for us. They're getting a personalized experience and, and we're trying to keep that, you know, journey going um, on a more personalized fashion all the way through. So you're almost taking out the hard work for the C-levels in terms of what is that value intersection? Where can fire I add value to their business? Um, and, and you're making it into a, a seamless experience, one that's consistent with the, the sales conversations as well as the marketing surround. Clearly, there's a lot of um, intelligence that we gather along the way in terms of what's resonating and what's not. And then that, of course, becomes a feedback loop as well. So you, you know better than anybody that you don't get many opportunities with the C-level execs to, to go engage them. So you can't just send out to 100 people and expect, you know, 10 people to come back, um, you've really got to take it person by person. And with talking about the tech, it sounds like you're using it less for a, a volume play as in you're not looking at the scale of connections, the scale of interactions, but really getting specific on an individual, how they're interacting and, and monitoring those interactions to, to test and iterate. Yeah. And I, I, I would be careful on assumptions there only, Alicia, because we start with the C-suite and hyper-personalization, and there's a continuum that we're actually building to enable more scale of that personalization through our Salesforce and obviously through our tech stack, right? So, so I certainly have a long-term plan and we're already doing things that are unique and, and I'll give you an example. So that, that report that I just told you about with our intelligence that uses the linkage between the business initiatives that our customers have and, and our value add to kind of connect the dots, right? While that can be done at an individual level, it could also be done for a larger group of customers with those business initiatives in common. 
They may be across the same vertical, they may not. But we're able to then take a personalized approach with our reps and enable them to go engage those customers with those similar business challenges. So we've actually put together a, um, a personalized page, not just for our customers, but also for our sales reps. And our sales reps are then able to take the customers that have those same business challenges that may not even be in our program and share that same value added asset or assets, of course, with those other customers that, that have that common situation. So that response has been extraordinarily positive as well, because now we're going from, you know, a, a highly, you know, holding hands tightly and, you know, and, and really uh, orchestrated ABM with the one-to-one on the execs for our, our, our biggest accounts to a, a more scaled self-service model that our reps can use. And they don't have to collaborate with us quite as much on those insights. We've trained them how to fish, if you will, on how to work those insights into how they're going to engage with those customers. So Marla, thinking about all of the work that you're doing across different channels, you've talked about paid media, we've talked about personalization through digital and the, and the sales force. How are you bringing that data together or are you bringing that data together to get a single view of what's happening for each of your, your accounts? As I alluded to earlier, we look at ABM as a very complementary set of activities to the rest of the broad-based marketing, right? And so essentially, as we integrate all the ABM intelligence about those accounts, it get, gets presented um, in a similar sort of, you know, side-by-side fashion, right? So what we're doing is we're showing, of course, the traditional sort of number of known engagements, um, but more importantly, those target people that we're trying to get to in the C-suite that we discussed, et cetera, are we reaching the right and engaging with the right targets or not? And then are there meetings that are happening with those key people? And then are there opportunities, et cetera? Now, how that gets laid alongside the rest of the, the account object in, in the marketing KPIs is we're delivering both the KPIs that we share as well as the rest of the engagements in a single view so that we know not only sort of qualitatively who's engaging, but also quantitatively how well we're doing within that account from an overall marketing perspective. So we know, for example, you know, if there's whatever, let's just say 50 known engagements at a, at a key customer, how many of those we're driving and how many of the rest of marketing is driving. And that single view helps us really optimize our, our budget and our ROI and helps us understand, you know, how to sort of double down on, on the right accounts. And clearly that goes all the way back to the, to the feedback loop we talked earlier about, you know, intent and all the other things. Got it. Uh, Marlo, is that a single tech platform that you're overlaying to bring all this together? Or? It's a it's a single report and, you know, just a Power BI report. And yes, it is, uh, it's both a combination of automated and manual. There are a couple of things that we need to do to integrate. Um, they're not big steps, but as you know, at the level of security that we have, we move a little bit slower perhaps. So our integration that we're actually is due this month is to automate a little bit more of that. So yes, alas, for the moment it's manual, but it won't be long before that gets more automated. 
exciting times. So th thinking through when you first started at FireEye, also your process through through Cisco, um, it, it does feel like there's a lot of tech around um, when organizations come to us and say, that there's so much to choose from. Where do I start? And it does does feel like a bit of an arms race in in the martech space um, for mindshare and, and and revenue growth, particularly as we see that the, the martech landscape flattening out from a, a new growth acquisition perspective. What are you thinking about when you consider new tooling, new technology for your your program? It's really interesting how the the data driven approach that is clearly really valuable um, has been. I won't say superseded, but complemented by the qualitative approach that we've been talking about, right? And um, as as data becomes more sort of the norm and all these other platforms start to integrate more, I think that there's nuggets that can still be pulled out of that data. But um, the bigger opportunity that's missed is what level of personalization do we get to to get back to those, you know, one-to-one -one relationships. And particularly in these, you know, challenging times, building a sense of community and building those one-to-one -one relationships through ABM is, is just, is huge, right? More important than ever. So any, any tools that can help us better understand the, the nuances, I'll go back to that word, the subtleties of what our customers are after, what's important to them, are, are really key. And I'll give you a really simple example. So you could spend a lot of time um, surfing through all the annual reports of our customers and everything, and that's fine. There's another uh, vendor I use, Pipeline IQ, for example, that developed a special report for me that's essentially about a seven-page sort of qualitative, again, assessment of every single customer, what their business initiatives are, who the key people are. And we're actually trying to figure out how to integrate that into our systems. So if I look at where there's a lot of opportunity in the MarTech world, it's how do you, just like we talked about a minute ago, how do you mix and match the qualitative and quantitative through those insights, through the whole process that can make it faster, easier, more efficient for people to do ABM at scale? We've been huge proponents of qualitative data over data on, in, on its own. And I think when you look at a lot of tech tools, there's, there's definitely um, uh, data getting sold as insight and it really is lacking any context and, and particularly those nuances that you talk about. It's very easy to, to get lots and lots of information on, on different accounts and businesses, um, but you have to drill down to get the richness. So absolutely agree. So key consideration then from a tech perspective is make, make sure you're focusing on the nuances. Don't just consider tech for, for large volumes of information. Make sure you can really use it and leverage it in personalization. Right. And that's particularly true for, for mid-sized organizations. I could, I could go into a long story about how we scale data at Cisco and actually within the follows platform built a, as far as I know, unique use case and application that where we integrated all of the insights that we have from an account perspective on the data side directly into a sales recommender, if you want to call it that, that we're able then to glue in on the other side, augment with more personalized content. So there's, there's a way to actually mix and match and, and optimize, orchestrate, if you will, by, you know, ABM, uh, team by company, um, by account. And I think there's just a lot of um, questions that people have to ask around 
how good is the quality of their current data? How prepared are they to really deal with those nuances and turn them into something that is bespoke content? How capable is their content team, internal, external, whatever, of creating bespoke content in snackable um, you know, type of modules, if you will? And then how does that feed into their overall go to market and sales plan for each of those customers. These are all sort of, you know, different steps along the way, but they all have to be considered holistically. Any other tips, Marlo, from, from you and your experience for organizations that are similar size to FireEye and looking at different technology, different capabilities that they're bringing in to their program as they set up. There's actually one other um, interesting thing that's probably worth mentioning, which is as we talk about these, you know, nuances and the and the sort of qualitative side of depersonalization and the partnership that we do with sales to to be successful in these programs. A lot of times those victories, those wins are, are lost in the data side of things. So there might be, you know, a, 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 a pipeline, you know, win here, a pipeline win there. But if you're talking about, you know, 50 or 100 accounts that can get lost very quickly as opposed to, you know, just a few. So one of the things that we've done is um, actually use our ABM platform to promote all of our results, qualitative and quantitative internally. So it's kind of fun because now when I send out my bi-weekly report to the senior leadership, I actually know whether or not they're paying attention. Because <laughs> you can track it. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So there's quite a bit of you know visibility that we get, just like we get with our customers, with the, the stakeholders internally as well. And, and that's a, a really good way to build more support. Uh, and sponsorship for your for your ABM program. So, just I know that's not the answer that you were perhaps expecting um, from the from a Martech standpoint, but but it's a really interesting way to use the tech that can be really helpful for um, for what you're trying to do from an ABM perspective. So, you know, to, to answer now to answer you know your real question is I look at this from a really broad basis. I would carefully sort of scope out and plan based on the resources that you have at your disposal, what your balance of scale and personalization is and pick the tools that are going to match that balance for you. So in, in my case, you know, the follows platform worked great because it has essentially unlimited personalization. And as you've heard me, you know, already talk about, we want to keep getting deeper and deeper into personalization. And to me, there's you know, just an immense opportunity for even more personalization going forward. I think each of us has to make our own individual decisions about which of those tech pieces are going to, are going to, you know, help us get there faster. And some companies don't want to do that level of personalization. They're not ready for it. Their customers may not even be ready for it um, yet. So pick based on how, how much you're personalizing, how much you're scaling, use that as the qualifying criteria. Yeah. All else being equal, right? I mean, you know, budgets and, and everything else, but, you know, kind of back to the current situation where everybody's telecommuting, et cetera. I think this is a golden age of personalization, frankly, and um, that there's, we're only starting to scratch the surface of what personalization can look like. And um, so I would err on the side of having more personalization capacity. Um, yes, data is important and it's going to give you some important, you know, insights into which customers to work with, et cetera, but the long-term relationships, you know, ABM is not just about revenue, right? It's about 
um, relationships and retention as well. And long term, I'm you know firmly convinced after many years of doing this that building those long term relationships with key stakeholders and the accounts, those engagements happen through personalization. So I'm kind of a uh, you know pretty uh, big uh, fan of that side of things, as you can tell. Um, that doesn't mean you ignore the data, but you have to balance based on your own preference and business plans. I was talking to a marketing leader recently who said to me, well, ABM is, is just personalization. What, what's your take on that? So, so personalization is sort of a loaded term, yeah? So, and there's lots of creepy personalization going on as well, right? Particularly Martex opened that up. You can automate an account name, mail merge an account name going into dozens of different customer journeys. You can stick on logos. Um, no, it's, it's, a great, it's a great point. And certainly, you know, that's one level of personalization, if you want to call it. And to me, that's just sort of basic table stakes. And it can be, it can be seen as, you know, you use the word creepy, um, you know, false, whatever. I would shift towards a really deep understanding as much as you can afford to, you know, spend time on of what customers' business initiatives are and really start from there. So if I look at kind of where I draw the line between ABM and the rest of sort of good marketing, it really has to do with the business initiatives of our customers being true north and, and everything else follows from there. And, and when I say business initiatives, it could be, you know, any number of things that are that are having, uh, you know, an impact in their world. And that's where, um, yes, personalization is a way to, you know, cut through some of the noise, if you will, but you can also create noise because it makes people, you know, wonder how um, genuine, uh, sincere your approach is. Yeah, particularly with the personalization is in many ways more accessible than ever before. It's very easy to look like you've personalized something, um, but but not really have any of those nuances or depth. And I, I think that North Star you refer to, it's all about real relevance, how are you actually creating some of that value exchange in the same way that you've done with those those larger documents to cut through. Yeah, and that um and that means that you have to rethink having this discussion with a CMO of a cloud company here in Seattle recently, right? You really have to rethink how you do your go-to-market. And so um, this uh, this person I was talking to that was a startup, we were, you know, kind of going through this, you know, have you thought about how you do ABM from, you know, the start with your customers and how you could potentially scale that at different levels? And he said, well, you know, that means you're having to rethink how I do, you know, my entire go-to-market. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Think about the level of engagement and, yeah. and, you know, relationship and loyalty you would have with those customers. And that doesn't mean you can't scale it. It just means that you, you build the relationships first and then, you know, go to the next level. So it's really a change of thinking that requires um, a lot of sales enablement, requires really challenging the status quo of what the rest of marketing is doing. And this is where it starts to get really interesting and you could make all sorts of predictions about what's going to happen. You know, certainly personalization will continue to be more pervasive even throughout, you know, basic marketing, if you will. But there's there's a mindset that happens with ABM and, and you and I have talked about this, you know, multiple times. Having that mindset of truly being of, of deep service to your customers and their business outcomes is, is a key piece of that. And, and without that, the rest of marketing kind of falls flat. 
Absolutely. I, th I think you've nailed it there. It's it's about showing sustained value for, for these customers, not just a bunch of marketing or a, a sale and running. <laughs> Absolutely. Not about sales pitches. Amen. Yeah, precisely. So Mar Marlo, my final question, what next? You're exposed to lots of MarTech development. You're, you're seeing it all, all the time. You've got your finger on the pulse. What, what should we watch out for in the development of new technology? I'm going to use an analogy from the cloud world that um, may be a little bit awkward, but, but I think it may give some people something to think about. So if you look at the way that cloud has fundamentally changed our world and, and cloud microservices that are enabling a lot of interactions between applications and data that weren't possible even a few years ago, that potential for that sort of C-level change of how that's impacted business, I think is that potential is also there for ABM. So depending on all sorts of factors, how much people are willing to share about their information, you know, GDPR, all those other things, um, th the availability of individual, you know, preference data, um, company data, et cetera, can be built into a much more integrated approach than what we currently have through technology integration. And um, there are companies that are just starting to scratch the surface on this. And, you know, I don't want to undermine what we were just saying about, you know, personalization being more important than data, because obviously it's a balance of both. But I think the data integration is only just starting and there's going to be a lot more of that as we get more and more of these, you know, systems to talk to one another. And then that opens the door for even more real personalization on the other side of things. So the what I think is going to happen is that there'll be more sort of data-driven personalization that, that the rest of marketing is going to do. And that's fine. Great. You know, make it cut through the noise for more and more of our, our customers. But that means those of us on the ABM, you know, side of the equation, if you will, are going to have that much more freedom, flexibility to really dig into those business initiatives for our customers and, and, and find and bring more value there. So the, the interesting thing becomes, what does that balance look like going forward and how quickly do we think that's going to play out and how much are customers willing to share as a way to cut through the noise um, to allow certain people to become their trusted advisors or not. Exciting times. Look forward to seeing seeing what it brings. Marlo, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a fascinating conversation. I love uh, chatting with you, Alicia, and I look forward to uh, doing so again. And thank you for being a great ABM leader and I uh, look forward to our uh, next discussion. Have a great day. Look forward to it. Today, we're giving away a copy of The Science of Storytelling by Will Store. To enter, join the conversation over on Twitter using the ABM podcast hashtag. See you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum ABM, the account-based marketing consultancy, transforming how sales and marketing teams grow their biggest customers. You can learn more at MomentumABM.com.